1: Started on today's episode big ups to the members of the patreon Nick Chavez Abel Ben Coltsian Christopher Velasquez Derek Platis, Devin Rendon Jordan Riley Mike Wozniak Nick Krummich and Thomas Robinson thank you all for your contributions to the patreon to support the show patreon.com slash veterans minimum and today got my guy in the building for the first time in Vegas Alan Stirk in the building. Yeah.
2: Let's look, I'm doing Randy Orton pose right now.
1: There you hey, go. It's WrestleMania weekend, by the way. Bro, look, look. We got the jacket on. We're ready. One of the greatest bro. things I've ever seen. We're locked in. Revel in the greatness. Yes, yes. We are here in the studio. Um, I always tell you this, and the audience knows also, uh, I don't know if I would be in Vegas doing the show if it wasn't for you when the initial split of VM went down and I took over the show you were the first person that I wanted to do content with because you had come on the show a bunch of times beforehand and I knew how dedicated you are to this stuff and how much you care about this stuff and I always want to give you your flowers always want to show you love and tell you thank you because man when you create content especially when you create content on your own bro it could be very difficult sometimes to be fired up to always go out there and Do the content on your own and you know i'm i'm the host i'm the director the producer the the guest booker having someone like you that's always going to be there on time you hit your days which is my main thing when i'm creating content it's like yo you might not get the episode at eight in the morning but you're gonna get it on a monday you're gonna get it on a thursday and you always showed up when i needed you to and there's been many times bro where we would record the content and like, I wouldn't be exactly enthusiastic about recording. Mm-hmm. Then you'd show up and there's something weird that happens, man. It's only two things that this happens with jujitsu. And when I press record on the podcast, I lock in and I don't think about anything else. So that's powerful. Thank you. With all the, with all the fuckery that goes on in this world and in our lives, we're not going to agree with everything that happens, but it's made us who we are. And I did want to take this time before we started recording and talking some funkiness, to just oh, yeah. show you some love.
2: Yeah, it means a lot, given that we've known each other for what over a decade.
1: WrestleMania was when we first became friends, See, man, rest,
2: Look, What would you say about wrestling? Everything is wrestling.
1: <laughs> Number go. one, everything is wrestling.
2: We just always had that natural connection because we're very passionate about sports. We have a lot of the similarities, and we're both very outspoken, and we're candid. And I think that was always just a natural connection, and that's why I always loved recording with you back in 2015, 16, and then you know, 17, 18, but then when we came together for 19, it was just like, okay. All season, I just go all in. And yeah, you hit me up. and it, and it was also a blessing to guys because I remember I could talk about this now, like I was actually wrestling again. I was going for a WWE job, I was going for a content producer role, and I uh, went to the last round. they select me due to and wasn't that social media savvy, which is understandable, and that gave me the green light to work with you. So in another way, WWE saying no, let me work with you, and that's how it came together. and now look at this. We went from basements to now being in studio. And this is just powerful for me. Now, speaking from my perspective, it's just you know, week in and week out. Yeah, there's times maybe we were lacking enthusiasm, but we always talk about football. We always, what we most love, but we wouldn't do it under the most greatest circumstances. You know, we was times where we were putting up our own equipment. We were like having to shift things around in traffic, driving over an hour, just stuck waiting. But now just seeing everything come to light seeing the branding, seeing the colors, seeing you fully deserving of it for all the years of of sacrifice. That's what makes this moment so special. And I had to make this happen at some point. I was like, you being here at some point in the first year. And ironically, I'm coming the day before I turn 30. Let's go. I'm joining a 30 club with you.
1: Yes, sir. So big three
2: zero. Yeah. So yeah, I I like it. it's, It's so heartwarming. And I just got that rush because it's like you, I'm just as passionate about this and that natural chemistry, and that's that consistency, and that loyalty, and now we're here. And we're dropping a lot of content here. Yeah. And I look forward, to, you know, the audience is gonna be able to enjoy a bunch of shows we're doing, but this is the one.
1: For sure, man. And this is also your first time in Vegas, right? Yeah,
2: I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest Vegas person. I don't really gamble too much. It's just not my style. Which is, which is <laughs> wild,
1: because he's friends with me. He's friends with me, and he don't like the gamble. That's crazy. I respect it. I do judge you. I mean, it I is do what judge is. you because I'm down with the D-gens. If you D-gen, man, you I respect are one the of
2: hustle, and I, I like learning about it because because it, it's everywhere in sport. If you watch sports, it's connected. So you have yeah. to become familiarized with it. I don't need to be involved with it. You no, know, I like the brackets. I like fancy football, but that's I'm content with that.
1: And I mean, bro, you also rub shoulders with one of the best doing it when it comes to sports betting.
2: You know, Absolutely so I don't pat true. myself
1: on the back too much, but. We kind of know what we're talking about here, but I do, I do like people that, people that gamble. It's like, uh, it's weird, man. You have a, you sort of have a bond with them without, without even, you can know nothing about that person. But if you're at the sports book, you're sitting down and they react to something good that happens for your bet, you realize that, oh shit, they're, they're on the same side as me. And then you'll be like, yo, we needed that one, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're buying each other drinks. Fist pumps
2: every five minutes. Yeah,
1: you're like, yo, we're getting dinner later, bro. Let's cash these tickets Stakes. together. <laughs> and uh, I always I always show love to the D-Gens. And especially now, I think my, my number one favorite receiver in the NFL is probably Calvin Ridley, uh, a former Atlanta Falcon. Huge fan of Calvin <laughs> <of> Ridley, the, <laughs> because, the football player. Because, <laughs> hey, man, listen, if you D-Gen and, you know, sometimes you got to risk it all. And unfortunately, he got back, but he's back. He's back and the Jaguars are going to be back. And it brings me to this. dude. I want to I talk about this because... In, in the past, we've spoken about the the first real metric that the uh, sports books put out from a betting betting perspective that is a little bit more. I don't want to say predictable, but it's a it's a better projection of what your team is going to be. Is the win totals? Win totals dropped late last week uh, from a bunch of different sports books, and I have a couple here, and I want to just I wanna just run by them. The initial, initial reaction is the number too high, is the number too low. And there are a couple of things that I want to give people advice on when it comes to win totals. Win totals in the NFL, it's a very, it's a very lame thing to bet on. The public doesn't really bet on win totals because it's either a over or an under. And it's usually minus 110, minus 130 you're not going you're, you're to get the plus 700s on a win total. You're not going to get plus 2,500 on a win total, which is what you could get on divisions, MVPs, player props, awards. That is more public friendly, where win totals tend to be more of the professional bettors bet because it's an A or B side. And what you'll see here is a lot of these bets are also with the hook, meaning that half game. So you're not really gonna get a push. They kind of eliminated those a couple of years ago. So I'm gonna rattle off a couple. I'll do the NFC first. And when we finish the NFC, just tell me which one you're like, that's a weird, that's a weird line. All right, starting with the NFC. The highest in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers, 11 and a half wins. Immediately, I want to stop there. I think that's too high. Really? Dude, we don't know who their quarterback is.
2: I think they've proven year in and year out it doesn't matter in a regular season. Obviously, there's a limitation to it come playoff time. But resume's there. How Shen and crafts an offense where as long as you know how to throw the ball, the intermediate part of the field, just hit your, hit your player, there's openings there. The playmakers are there. Offensive line... Shannon schemes it up. Like stick, you have to be really bad not to be efficient. Like, dude, he got career years at Nick Mullins.
1: Yeah.
2: Kyle Shan's offense is about as bulletproof as it gets when it comes to quarterback play.
1: You just need to be healthy and not play fullback or running back in order to orchestrate this offense.
2: Pretty much like I would love to see Josh Johnson or was it Josh Johnson? Yeah, Luke, yeah. Like, I love to see Josh Johnson in there for eight games and see what numbers he puts up. Cause it's just, and like, look at the supporting cast. we. I spoke about ad nauseum. That is a terrifying trio. And they're in an offense where they get yak opportunities. And is, isn't a player more terrifying when it comes to yak than Debo Samuel? we have seen how much Iuka has evolved. George Kittle could turn an eight-yard out route into a 40-yard gain. So, McCaffrey. And that's the biggest juggernaut of them all. I mean, so,
1: dude, I was talking about it throughout the whole season, how I think that's the best. That's the best collection of weapons I think I've seen in a very long time in the NFL. Like top to bottom, you have the tight end, you have the receivers, you have the versatile running backs. Let's not forget, like Eliza Mitchell is the guy that gets like 20 carries. And then they also use Christian McCaffrey out the backfield. But 11 and a half is kind of a wait and see for me because also with the win totals, it's very important to monitor that unless a quarterback gets hurt, probably not going to change much. Like even if if like your number one wide receiver goes down for a significant amount of time, it's not really going to change a lot of things. It's mostly the quarterback. And one of the one of the stories that I always go back to that let me know that Andrew Luck was healthy was when I saw the win total, his last full season as a starter. Remember the reports going into that offseason, Allen? It was his shoulder. He hasn't thrown a football yet. He can't even grip a football. He's at the camps with the kids and he's throwing like a Nerf ball because he can't get the real the uh, the Duke yeah. football going. And two weeks before the season started, their win total went from seven and a half to nine. And I was like, he's healthy. Because that's also something where you can have a little bit of insider information. Media beat riders that cover the Colts, they probably were looking at it like, oh, yo, he's slinging right now. And then the sports books reacted right away and they changed the win total. So when it's something drastic like that, that's when you see a change.
2: I got two kind of arguments. One, we know how soft the NFC is. There are maybe two true contenders. And the point. I, I like Dallas, but there's going to be major trepidation with Dallas just because we've seen Dallas the past few years, and it's just the this is the colossal letdown when they get eliminated. It's just like oh, enough, but you can't deny Dallas' their roster is tremendous. But I think that, and they have quarterback death. I th- look, Yorkers are going to be like shaking their head, but Sam Darnold. Had it when he played in Carolina last year, put together a couple of decent games. So between Lance, Purdy, and Darnold, they're ready. Like they could maintain. Like I don't know if they go into Super Bowl. I I, I keep hoping, but it seems clearly this they get to a point where it's just quarterback play is just not there. But regular season wise,
1: I think I would
2: smash the over.
1: Wow. Okay. I don't I don't agree. The over is plus one ten. So. That is a proposition that I think a lot of people will see and might want to bet the plus number. I think, I think the division is kind of mediocre. Um, the Seahawks are going to be interesting for sure. But
2: I think Carlos could be the worst team in the league.
1: Yeah, yeah, they might be, especially with Murray probably going to be out until like October, mid-October, end of October. All right, so the Niners, that one was the one where it's like a wait and see for me. Then you got the Eagles at 10 and a half. Then every other NFC team, those are the, the two highest. You have 11 and a half for the Niners. You have 10 and a half for the Eagles. And then you got Saints at nine and a half. Wow. Lions, Cowboys, nine and a half. Then you have my New York Giants, eight and a half with the Seahawks and the Vikings. Then you have the Bears. Falcons, Commanders, Rams, Carolina Panthers, Green Bay Packers, all at seven and a half. You got the Bucks at six and a half, which is in the last 20 years, no team has had a shift in their win total higher than the Bucks. Last year, they were at 11 and a half. This year, they're at six and a half, obviously, because Brady's gone. I don't know who their quarterback is. Otrask. Baker. Ugh, exactly. Right. So like that's a massive, massive switch. Minus one ten either direction. And then you have the Arizona Cardinals that you mentioned might be one of the worst teams in the league at five and a half. That's your NFC. Is there any team that jumps out to you that's a little head scratching of a win total? Because I have one and I'm already ready to go and bet this one because I'm overly confident.
2: Look, I know the the playoff performances are large to disappoint, but Cowboys, they're by default, the third best team in the NFC. So I'm surprised they're that low. Like, I think Gilmore and Cooks are two huge additions, even though maybe have kind of peaked, but they're still useful in their roles, and they're not the true number ones. They're a complementary piece to Lamb and Diggs. So to get those two players in, still have Dan Quinn. The only major question you have with Dallas is, yes, of course, at this point, you have to question Dak Prescott, given his inconsistency, but Mike McCarthy is a play caller. It does worry the hell out of me.
1: Let me do something that I rarely do, and let me defend the Cowboys. Uh The issues with them is not the regular season. Yeah. They've had a top five offense the last three years in the league. He puts up big numbers in the regular season. The issue with Dallas is not September to first week of January. It's middle of January and February where they vanish and they disappear. So Dak in the regular season, I like him. I think he's a top 10 quarterback without question. He might be the best quarterback in the NFC. It's like him and Jalen Hurts, same division, of course I got to play them four times a year with the Giants, but to me it's never been an issue with Dallas in the regular season. I I went like I went like 6 and 1 betting on the Cowboys last year. It was not a I'm anti-Dallas come January and February because that's all they've shown me my entire life, and that's all they continue to show me. Yeah, I was wrong about them doing the first-round bounce to to Tampa Bay. Sure, yes, I, I lost a lot of money to them losing uh, to beating Tampa Bay, but then I won it back when they played the Niners because I just knew that that was going to happen. And he had an awful performance in that game. So again, the 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 Cowboy issues have nothing to do with Dak in the regular season. It comes playoff time, and it could be also. Mike McCarthy, for sure, I wouldn't put it past you. And one of the decisions that I didn't like this offseason, which I loved for the team that got him, obviously being a Justin Herbert stand, is Kellen Moore leaving. Kellen Moore leaving, I think, was really, really questionable because he's led this offense to be a top five offense the last couple of years.
2: You kept in that. Yeah. I just, it just seemed like there needed to be a split. There was a divide there. And this time's Kellen Moore, I feel like playing plays rather than implementing a strategy to win like i know it sounds harsh but i'm not the i'm not the biggest believer in the and i could see why they wanted to the split i just think they could should have got someone that significantly better like mike mccarthy to me is just not the answer we've seen it time and time again and i have a hard time believing he's learned from his past mistakes because he just seems someone that's kind outdated but a kelmore has a good resume but i don't i'm not at that level with
1: okay
2: that's but, fair but regular season-wise, well, why but do you... But would you
1: agree with that, though, that the, the issues with Dallas is not the regular season? It's, oh,
2: absolutely, yeah. I'm
1: like, okay. to, me,
2: to me, they're a contender. I just don't know at what level. Mm. Just Their roster is just so good. And I always will say that. And to keep Dan Quinn is a huge... To have that defense that consistently forces turnovers. So that's why I'm just baffled at why their win toll is still that low. To me, they should be right up there with... I think Philly, by the way, is still low. This, was, this team was dominant.
1: And half, really? Okay. Now, to, to push back on Philly, amazing record in one-score games, something I always harp on. They lost both of their coordinators. We were having a conversation yesterday. We were talking about football as we were getting dinner, and you said how they didn't really lose anyone of substance on the defense. But besides the— Hargrave, Hargrave who went to San Fran— which, by the way, San Fran just loading up on the defensive line and just (laughs) continuing to just get these guys to produce at a high level. But, you know, Philly's going to have, I believe they have multiple first-round picks.
2: Yep, that Chris Olave trade.
1: Yeah. So they're going to be able to reload, but now they're going to play a first-place schedule, which they did not last year. Their record in one-score game. I think there's going to be some regression. So to me, I think it's it's a fair number at 10.5. I'd probably still lean the over. Look, it's minus 160 to the over. So they're telling you that it's, it's a lot of pros have moved that number because all these win totals open at minus 110 either way. And then the markets send it in whatever direction that it's going. So, and again, this is a professional betters bet, win totals. So to see minus 160 for the Eagles, they're expecting Philly to surpass the 10.5 wins.
2: First place schedule with the Bucks and Vikings to be that's, very, Very favorable. So, yeah, I think just being the NFC, like if you're ultra talented in the NFC, like a San Fran, like a like, like a Dallas, like I think they're just going to run through the NFC because it's just such a imbalanced conference. And there's so many flawed teams that we talk about the dominance with the quarterbacks in the NFC. The NFC, it's in, it's in shambles right now. Like, it is, it's a conference. Yeah, it's kind of like the land of opportunity for some teams, but, oh, man. If you look at a team like Philly, San Fran, like to me, they should just stack up wins.
1: Yeah, yeah. Minnesota, you mentioned about being a first place schedule. They have a win total at eight and a half, and that is probably my favorite bet right now when it comes to win totals to the under eleven and zero in one score games. And I know, yo, I know, I talk about this all the time, but it's very, very important. You go back as long as you want. Any team that has an amazing record in a one score game. One year the next year there's regression It just it's just the nature of football that pass interference that didn't get called for you last year is going to get called for you this year and maybe it takes away a possession maybe it takes away points the the holding in the end zone that happened with the new york giants and washington remember the sunday night football game where the dude got violated in the red zone and i'm expecting a flag to come in no flag comes in and i'm like oh my god they didn't throw a flag i couldn't believe it. it was a fourth down Maybe next year that play gets called and it's first and goal for Washington on the one-yard line. We don't know how that game plays out. The Giants end up winning that game. Next year, they probably lose it. So these are very important things. And the three things I look at when it comes to handicapping win totals, strength of schedule. I know you brought up a good caveat where, you know, first-place schedule versus last-place schedule. Last year, the Jaguars benefited from that. They played a last-place schedule. No team had a bigger improvement from one year to another as far as, like, the amount of wins that they had but well, they have two wins the year before they had the number one pick so how many wins did they have and then they end up winning the division they win a playoff game epic collapse sort the of charges but they still did that so it's strength of schedule turnover differential it's another one it's very similar to record and one score games unless you have a another thing we were talking about yesterday unless you have a defense that's like iconic the, the, the 2000 Ravens, like that core, the Legion of Boom, like the Legion of Boom throughout their tenure, they were at the top of the turnover differential, but they had an iconic defense. Dallas last year, I misread that situation where I thought that they had, they led the league in turnover margin. And last year, they had a good number also. But you have Parsons, you have Diggs, you have Dan Quinn coming back a second time last year. So there are a couple of things that kind of make these things a little bit misleading. But it's strength of schedule, turnover differential, and one score games. Those are the three things I look at when I'm handicapping win totals. And I go back to Minnesota. Man, they won all their games close. And then in the playoffs they lose a game by one score. And I think that they're gonna regress greatly. And that division got a lot better too. You don't think so? No. Oh, you don't think Chicago's better than they were last year? You don't think Detroit's better than they were last year?
2: Oh, Detroit. Yeah. And let's not forget, Detroit has a top six pick. Yeah. Chicago, they have money, but I don't think they spent it all that wisely. They should be better, but I'm, I don't view Chicago as a team that's going to win eight games. They're still very much rebuilding. I still think Green Bay could be respectable. I think people are forgetting about Green Bay. Green Bay still has a relatively good roster. It's just kind of flawed. But you know what's working against the Vikings? They can't go up against Jeff Saturday again. Uh, you don't get the reference? No, why? 38-3? Oh,
1: yeah, the, the comeback. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those one-score games, you're not going to
2: have Jeff Saturday uh, call and plays or whatever he was doing in Indianapolis. So it's just stuff like that. I think the Vikings, wow, they got away with a lot that past season for a team that I think now they're trying to get younger, but which they need to, but getting younger doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get better. Like the guy right of Eric Kendricks, got guy River right Amthea, and the guys are getting kind of long in the tooth. Uh, But who knows if that's going to lead. It's just... I think Brian Flores should be cool hire. I'm excited they they brought him in, but it's just with the Vikings, still seem flawed. And said you cannot replicate what they had with those
1: one score games. Literally just, the best season ever yeah. in one score games. It's like Greg, not gonna happen again.
2: Greg Joseph won't hit a what he hit like a 62 yard against the Giants. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. So it's just certain games that were just like no. But then you see games against Dallas, Green Bay where it's over by the third quarter and it's just like. Yeah, this team is still...
1: Dude, even the Colts game, it was over by the third quarter. Oh, it was it's over. Just, it was over, and then they <laughs> came back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. another thing that's never going to... Biggest comeback in NFL history. I'm I'm off Minnesota, and I was someone that was very high on Minnesota last year. Remember, you, I told you, you my, conference. my my conference championship game was going to be Minnesota and Philly. I got one of them, right? But I was very high on both of those teams, and Philly I'm still high on. I think that they're gonna surpass their win total. Minnesota, I'm completely off the bandwagon. And yo, I don't know, bro. There's something about Chicago. Maybe I'm maybe I'm fantasizing about Justin Fields running the ball and doing all the craziness he was doing last year, but I love DJ Moore going there, man. So. You know, you know, it's it's one of my biggest things. If you have a young quarterback, you got to get him an alpha wide receiver. And I think he is. I think he's a great wide receiver. He's being paid like a top wide receiver. And yeah, his production isn't as great as you want it to be, but it's also look at what he had to deal with in Carolina. And especially after they got McCaffrey, it was all focused on him. I think he's going to open up a lot of shit for Justin Fields in Chicago. And I think he's going to be a great addition. I'm, going to be, I think Chicago is going to be someone you'll be hearing a lot of on the pod. For sure.
2: you want to mention one more team?
1: Yeah, good. Oh, can I, can I also mention the Giants? Yeah. Because people, people hear, hearing this are going to be like, yo, bro, the Giants had a great... The Giants were like 8-2 and two in one score games. Absolutely. That's something that I'm worried about. They overachieved last year. Now, the thing that, the thing that happens with the Giants is they're going to benefit from not playing a, a first-play schedule. They're playing a third-play schedule. They came in third in the division. And the conference, again, like, when we're talking about NFC teams, a lot of the things we're saying... Aren't going to apply to the NFC teams like they will when we get to the AFC portion of the show, because the AFC is loaded. So when you're playing a third place schedule in the AFC, you're probably running into a a, a good good ass team. that's running into the Jets with how they've revamped. You're running into Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, who we'll get to Pittsburgh in just a sec. So that's why it's not always applicable one thing to the other. But what was the team you wanted to mention?
2: Can't believe it, but I'm. Getting slowly appealed by the Falcons. Let's go. I think the Falcons are building something. Uh, I know the quarterback situation is a little murky. No one knows what to quite to expect from Desiree, but I think they utilized their cap space very well. They finally got out of cap hell after several bad contracts. They went all in and crashed rather badly. But now, Jesse Bates, Don Mata, Kaleas Campbell, I think was a hell of a sign. I know he's 36, but getting someone like Kaleas Campbell that could be a veteran presence who's, Still playing at a relatively high level. They, Atlanta just needs talent in the trenches. So now they're imposing. And I just I do think Arthur Smith one of the better play callers in the league. What he's done with their running game. Like, they were pounding teams into submission. And, and they did also lose a lot of one-score games, which we mentioned before. So between that, healthy Kyle Pitts, better quarterback situation. Because Ritter is absolutely an upgrade over Mariota. There's no doubt about it. And that division is... Anyone's there for the taking. So I think the Falcons, it wouldn't surprise me if they won nine games. You know, I'm not saying their roster is necessarily good enough to win nine games, but I think the upside's there and the coaching's there. And they also have a top 10 pick again. I think they've spent very wisely in free agency. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if Falcons go nine and eight and very well could win the NFC South. I think in the NFC South, anyone could win it except Tampa Bay. I'm totally off Tampa Bay, but uh, I like where the Panthers are headed, even though they, they need some receivers. But between them, New Orleans and Atlanta, it's going to be a three-team race.
1: Isn't it crazy that this time last year we were saying that no team is going to win the NFC South except for Tampa? And now it's like they're the only team we can see winning it. It's so wild. It's just an old roster, and
2: we'll see what happens. But, man, I don't think Todd Bowles could be a head coach. I was really let down by Todd Bowles last year. And the... Maybe the offensive play could be better because Byron Leftwich was a total disaster. But it's just between bad coaching, likely horrific quarterback play, roster getting older, secondary not being that good. It's just it's not a lot to be excited about with Tampa Bay. And I do wonder what could happen to like a Mike Evans or Chris Godwin could one of them be traded?
1: Could be. They're getting some big money too, and they're in a rebuild. So I think that that's definitely in play. I want to switch over to the AFC side. There's only three teams in the NFL that have a win total of 11 and a half. It's the highest in the league. Two of the three teams are in the AFC. We mentioned one of them in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. The Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champs, they're at 11 and a half. And the Bengals are at 11 and a half. Both are minus 110 in either direction. And both, I think, Allen, are the, once again, are the favorites in the AFC, rightfully so. And I think that both of them are on a collision course once again. Because all we've seen is, you know, back to back years, AFC title game. It's been them two. And dude, until proven otherwise, we just pencil in Mahomes and the Chiefs, as long as he's healthy, they're in the AFC title game. And last two seasons, we've seen Burrow and the Bengals in there. And I asked you this question yesterday, and you didn't feel this way, but I think this is their last chance to win a Super Bowl, Cincinnati that is, with this core that they have. Because Burrow's still on a rookie contract, T Higgins is still on a rookie contract, Jamar Chase is on a rookie contract, and you're looking at 50 million for Burrow a year, Chase north of 30, and then T Higgins is going to be what? 20? He might even get 25 if he goes to a different team. So you're looking at like $100 million per year for these three guys, and then you're going to lose your running backs. You're going to lose Hendrick I mean, I mean,
2: they're feeling the effects already. They already lost both their starting safeties. Jesse Bates, Von Bell played 98% of their snaps. That's significant, especially for a Lou Anarumo defense. So they're already feeling it. That's your boy, Lou. I mean, we know how great he is. Staten Island, not quite at a level of a certain hip-hop group, but he's up there.
1: Staten <laughs> Island's finest, but he, he, he ain't messing with the Wu-Tang. That's for sure. I think both of these are apropos. I think both of these should be at 11 and a half. And then you have the, this one's a shock. When's the last time you saw the Jaguars at 10 and a half wins? The
2: opportunity's there.
1: Dude, Jacksonville Jaguars, 35 to one to win the Super Bowl. We're going we're gonna to make it rain a little bit on that. I, I love it. I think that that division sucks. Both South divisions suck. We were talking about it last year when we gave them out at 9-1 to to win the division, how the only logical way they could make the playoffs was to win the division. Don't bet them to make the playoffs because the AFC was so stacked. And they make the playoffs. You're never going to see anything. You're probably not going to see a plus number near the Jaguars to win the division. North of like plus 150 ever again, as long as Trevor Lawrence is there. And especially now with, I love what they did with Ridley coming in it was like a shady move that they did last year. Like they just got Calvin Ridley and I was like, ah, oh, he's not going to play this year. It was like, yeah, but he's going to come back and he's a premier wide receiver. And the way that whole offense is going to be able to operate now, like Evan Ingram, can't believe I'm saying that Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley Etienne out the backfield, bro. We were talking about that on a, on another episode, but I, I like Jacksonville and also to stay with the 10 and a half. It's Buffalo as well.
2: Yeah. Do you, do
1: you agree with those?
2: Yeah. All of them. I know. Buffalo's looking very vulnerable, but it's still a heavyweight to me. I still have enough
1: talent. A team whose window is?
2: It's still there, but, like, I'm still taking them in the AFC East, and I really like what Miami's done, even though Miami is very much, they're banking on some injury-prone, slowly-declined players, but I still think their talent's enough where they're a threat. Like, to me, Miami, depending on what happens to Rogers, like Miami, to me, is the fourth-best team in the AFC. Yeah. Like, I would actually put Miami over Jacksonville. That's how mm. well they built their roster. I just getting someone like Ramsey. I know Ramsey's come off a down year, but I think him with Vic Fangio, who to me is the biggest coordinator hire of the offseason, getting someone like Vic Fangio, who consistently puts out top 10 defenses, and now he gets to work with alpha male secondary. I know Xavier Harris Howard's come off a down year, and Ramsey as well, but, but these two together with Javon Holland, they're going to be
1: bullying. Hey bro, let's not... We've, we've talked about this shit so many times, where... There are certain guys that are elite coordinators. Don't look at what happened with Vic Fangio when he became a head coach and think bad about the guy. He is an amazing coordinator. And there, there are a lot of dudes like Nathaniel Hackett, great, great coordinator. Couldn't cut it as a head coach. Uh, we'll see. Why?
2: You don't think it's a lot with Rodgers? I, I don't know many people that speak highly of Nathaniel Hackett. I just say that.
1: I mean, bro. Yeah, Rogers definitely helped, but, like, Rogers was also not on the decline, but Rogers didn't have... He pulled two MVP seasons out of his know.
2: hat. I'm intrigued what he could do in New York. All right, uh, that's fair. Yeah, Jury's very much out, because I think Nathaniel Hackett completely crashed in Denver. Well, I think Vic Fangio at least held it a respectable unit in Denver. He was, you know, not quite obviously at a playoff level, but they were competing. To beat Denver, they've had some embarrassing. performance. So I will tell Hackett, but, yeah, I, I, just, I think that's huge. I Christian Wilkins quietly won the best interior tackles. I think he's gonna become an established star this year. David Long, if he could stay healthy like Miami, got players and they got, got people that just take over games. And we know how dynamic the offense is it's just there's gonna be times still gonna be healthy. Ron Armstead, who as elite as he is as a left tackle, he plays about 11 games a year. So you're gonna feel that. Uh, Terry Kill, even though he I don't think he missed a game, but there were times where he got banged up. So, these are the concerns, but I just think when you look at a team as talented as Miami and how well coached they're going to be, they're a threat. I think they could win a playoff game or two. It wouldn't surprise me if they really took it to a team, even like a Cincinnati, took them to the brink.
1: The Jets, Dolphins, Browns, Chargers are all at nine and a half wins. Wow, Cleveland. Yeah. Look, you're going to have Watson for a whole season. We'll be able to practice. We'll be able to play. I think that's being heavily influenced into the number. This was another team whose win total was wacky last year because it opened up so high, and then it had, like, a two-game movement. That was also something that told me that Watson's probably going to get suspended more than what the early projections were, like four or six games. Like, nah, dude, when they moved it that much, they were expecting him to miss the amount of games that he did miss. I think they're very interesting. Another tough-ass division, dude. Like, there's no easy out in that division at all.
2: To come in last place again as of now. Yeah. I'm not it was I didn't think they have a great offseason. Yes, Elijah Moore was a good trade, but it be Dalvin Thompson, they need they need someone at defensive tackle because every team that played against Cleveland last year ran for like 130 yards. Oh like it, it just It was clear lanes every game against them. So at least Thompson could be a decent addition, but I'm not really into Jim Schwartz as a defensive coordinator. I think he's very outdated. Like it's just and I think Stefancy's coaching for his job. I think Stefanski's a very good play caller, but there are serious questions by him as a coach at this point, so I don't know. I'm not convinced by Cleveland at all. I find that total to be a bit inflated.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Denver, eight and a half, Pittsburgh, eight and a half, Baltimore, eight and a half. And then you have the Patriots, Raiders, and Titans at seven and a half. And then the Colts at six and a half. And then the Texans, along with the Cardinals, as the worst projected teams at five and a half wins. Why don't you talk about your Broncos? Bro, Denver is... Let the people know. Denver has already been wagered on to win the Super Bowl at 50 to 1. I've already put money on that. I love that number. I think it's a mistake. I think that unless, and and I'll always harp on this, and it's not a hedge. This is just like an actual assessment of the Broncos. Unless Russell Wilson is completely fried, which could be the case, you think it's the case, that's a terrible call on my end. But I'm betting on Sean Payton, and I'm betting on the defense. That defense is the best defense in the league because when you factor in how bad that offense was and how often they were on the field and how many three and outs and short fields that they had to work with, that is the best defense in the league. It's easy for you to say San Fran has the best defense in the league when they have a competent offense, a very explosive offense with Purdy also like they were dropping like 30 burgers every week. But with Denver, I think that they are everyone is so off Denver.
2: Dude, they got torched by Baker Mayfield and the Rams on Christmas. You can't be the best defense in the league when stuff like that happening. I'm not even sure if Denver's top five. They're, they're up there. Look, they're a good, respectful unit. One of the best corners in Sertan. But that Randy Gregory signing, crashed. I don't know how that's going to be. And they just spend a lot of money on uh, Zach Allen. Like, Ben Shosa being back. By the way, that's a, how about that as a storyline? Former coach, now back as a D coordinator. That, that's pretty wonky to me uh yeah i don't see it with denver at all um i i, I look sean payton hall of fame caliber coach know that bad but i think the defense is a little they repu- i think they're more reputation than substance
1: Bro, russ had four interceptions in that game like, yeah, yeah that's, they,
2: got, that's, they got lit up though man i don't look and i think yeah i do think russ is fried as well i i just it's like javante williams patrick setan jr I guess the receivers are staying. They're not training their receivers, apparently, which mm. I feel like they have so much talent receiver, but they don't know how to utilize it. Hopefully Sean Payton knows. Yeah. Because they got talent. But they're just so flawed. What really gets you excited? about Sean Payton, like, I didn't think their agency moves were great at all. I think McGlinchy's going to be a disaster. Mm. He can't pass block. He's injury prone. Like, And they had cap space, too. Like, I just, yeah, I don't see it. Though.
1: I don't know man I think like teams have team ha- teams have bad performances and when Russ comes out and throws three interceptions in like the first quarter it's gonna make your defense look shitty look San Francisco's defense got lit up in in the playoff game too and a lot of that was because like the quarterback got hurt and they, it was yeah. just a nightmare and you don't know under- what yo you also don't know what team morale is like if you want to get deep it's like yo oh heck got fired like- a
2: day later <laughs> yeah like it's not just one game though they no they were respectably good but just the best, though, like better than San Fran, better than Dallas. I don't say that. I think they were up there, like with the Jets. The Jets were in a similar situation mm. with how bad their quarterback situation was, turning the ball over and being put on the field to play seven, eighty snaps a game. NFL is a lot, but like when you look at the like, the snaps or like the time possession, when a defense is on the field for more than sixty five snaps, bad things are bound to happen because just
1: through pure exhaustion, they don't have to death. Let me give you a good one. Ready for this one? Why I'm also pro, pro Denver. Over the past decade, there have been 33 losing seasons that teams have had seven losses that were less than one score. The following season, those teams have seen a 79% improvement in the win column. Last year, the Denver Broncos, eight of their 10 losses were by one score or less.
2: Yeah, because they couldn't score more than 19 points, I think. They couldn't, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: And it was that one, uh, <laughs> that one, like, Thursday night game when it was them and the Niners. It was like, whoever has the ball last is going to be the reason why they lose. Colts. No, no, no. It was a, it was a Niners-Broncos game. That was
2: but a th- Sunday night game.
1: All right, it was Sunday night game. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was a primetime game. But, but, I but that I thought the one Thursday night
2: like, game of the Colts was—
1: Yeah, yeah, that one was bad, too. Al man.
2: Michaels considered retirement on air that night.
1: Yeah, because he definitely took the points. That's why the way Al, My- Al Michaels is the king of being like, oh, well, that helps some people. Uh, that touchdown matters to a couple people. Like, he's been, he's my favorite commentator, bro, because he's one of us. He's a D-gen. He always knows the lines. He knows the the, the props. He knows all that. But, yo, I think, I think Denver is going to see a massive improvement there. We'll see. Look, we have a lot of time to break all this stuff down. It was cool to talk some NFL with the win totals. I want to end this with uh, talking a little bit about, what are your thoughts about Vegas, bro?
2: What a city! Just it's like bangers on bangers. Like you just see one palace here, a casino here. Because you, you see a Mandalay Bay, you see MGM. Especially being a fight fan, you see Caesar's Palace. If you watch The Hangover and other movies, and just seeing it like back to back, especially on a weekend like this with March Madness going on, and uh, you're watching WrestleMania, it's just such a big weekend as well. You know, streets are packed. Concerts happening in multiple areas. Chili Peppers were performing where the Raiders Stadium is. Like, it's just such a huge weekend and just seeing people out. It's it's lively. Like, if you want to go to Vegas and you're not necessarily into gambling, it's just it was such a vibrant environment. Like, you feel that energy. That's something that you know I've taken in so far.
1: Yeah, it's dope. It's dope. The traffic was crazy with uh, the Chili Peppers. We definitely had some traffic over there by the by the stadium, but. Yeah, it's been sick, man. March Madness has been wild. This is my first experience in Vegas for a March Madness. And yesterday we went over to the sportsbook at Circa and we were watching the games there. And uh, longest bar in the world was it? Yeah. Was it? That shit was, was crazy. a stretch.
2: And you, I want to I run just to test my speed. Like, it's like <laughs> double the 40 time. Like do like a Rich Eisen. But oof, that's wow. And then UConn just so dominant. In a year where UConn women aren't at the top, when, you know, Caitlin Clark doing her thing for Iowa. Men for UConn winning games by more than 20 points, pretty much. Yeah, they're on upward trajectory, but San Diego State winning, you know, the Cinderella story continues. It's gonna be a fascinating final, because uh, given that San Diego State has the size, but UConn they got bullies down low. So you know, for, in a year where there's been so many upsets, I do think we have a compelling final in our hands. But it wouldn't surprise me if. You got my case yesterday because I thought it was going to be defensive slugfest, and then they were hitting threes like oh 70%. My God, dude. I, think, I think Monday night, you could quote me on this, we will see a true defensive 60 55 slugfest.
1: I always like to say that there's a difference between betting and gambling. I gambled yesterday. Yeah. Because Alan was like, yo, this San Diego State, they keep teams to under 17 points a game of what their, what their uh, scoring averages, is. Scoring averages, 34% from the field. This this guy just comes out and goes like four for four from three. Bradley was his name from San Diego State? No,
2: but Florida Atlantic was the team that was shooting. Like they were like eight for 14 from downtown start. Well, they were just making it yeah, rain. And it was
1: like, I'm looking at my, I'm looking at the app and I'm punting away money. I'm like, this is why I only bet on things that I know. Yeah. And I, I made Alan pay for dinner because we had to recover. We had to recover financially. After yeah. that one. And then I bet on Tiago Santos and the, in the pfl because we were over there and it's another thing going on this weekend yeah pfl, PFL. was here in vegas and I, and I bet on tiago santos i was like yeah, oh, he's a former ufc guy and and then they flashed the graphic he's 39 i was like oh my god he definitely <laughs> looked 39 years old being out there in the octagon so yeah yesterday i did some gambling it was fun though it was fun that's, that's the nature of the beast but it's why uh i took the over in the yukon game and then that one was a defensive battle. It was the big blowout too.
2: Yeah, I don't, yeah it was just more of UConn just too good. Like Miami had their spurts, but UConn size their defense is just too much. And then at one point Miami won their key players at a lost shoe, and they couldn't replace the shoe. I'm like it's a final four. You have equipment manager. He's like he's wearing jeans, like he's wearing the tightest pants. And he's like, if you're equipment manager, how are you not wearing sweats? I know it's the final four. You want to look good, but there might be a particular situation where they need you, and you're supposed to be working in jeans, running. And we know it's in a huge stadium in Houston. Oh, you gotta be more prepared, Miami. Come on the U. Like this is what the U were talking about. Yeah. I could see maybe Florida Atlantic because because nothing we're talking about with the under in those games like Florida Atlantic, San Diego State. They're playing in front of small crowds. They're not from big conferences.
1: Where now so, you were in front of what, sixty thousand people. Yeah.
2: And right to them, first half they were shooting. You know, second half it kind of went back to the median. but first half, wow, both teams shooting over fifty percent from downtown. Been a hell of a tournament. And I think even though people are kind of like, ah, we missed the blue buds and the heavyweights and it's all our brackets are busted, it's, it's still cool to see how it creates belief for these mid majors and these smaller programs. Like, wow, we could be that team. And you've always had that belief after seeing a team like a George Mason or a VCU, but see multiple teams now. It's just, wow, okay. It doesn't well, matter if we're in a smaller conference, we could achieve anything.
1: I mean, bro, isn't that the epitome of what March Madness stands for?
2: Yeah, but it just, it doesn't always happen. Like, you have a George Mason, then nothing happens for, like, 10, 15 years, and you yeah. forget about it. Now, see, I do consider, I know San Diego State was a 5 seed, but, man, they were, they were picked by a lot of people to lose to Charleston in the first round. Like, they mm-hmm. were not considered a 5C that was going to be a threat.
1: Oh, you were talking about that with, with Duke, uh, not Duke, with Miami. Yeah. A lot sure. of people had Drake
2: beating Yeah, them. and then they played Indiana, and Indiana's a special lottery pick in Tracy Jackson Davis, so... It's just you know, the 512 is always one of the biggest upset picks.
1: And yeah, it's super popular. San- I didn't even know about that one, yeah. too. Yeah,
2: it's San Diego State and Miami both made the final four as they were trendy teams to lose in the first round. So I just think it's cool to see that belief. And that's just part of the madness. And that's why people love the sport come March because we know college basketball is just not the same popularity wise anymore, especially with more legendary coaches retiring like your Coach Kays, Roy Williams, Jim Bayheim. Yeah, right.
1: But do you also think because of the one and done, that's why that happens? It could
2: be that because of losing talent. Yeah, yeah. like
1: you're not really invested in 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 the players as much. I like used to be able to see dudes there for three, three, four seasons. Mm-hmm.
2: But now, hopefully, with the nil, maybe they'll stay longer. Mm. Hopefully, maybe it's an incentive.
0: Uh,
1: may, maybe, maybe, like your your fringe first round picks might, but if you're a lottery pick, you're projected like, like Zion was going to go out anyway. Like even if, even if he was going to get the NIL money, I think, I think guys like that, like the upper echelon of talent, I think they're going to leave anyway. But yeah, maybe your, your potential, you know, eighth guy off the bench in the NBA, he might stick around if you're making, dude, I've seen some of these dudes like Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback, brings in like close to $3 million off the NIL deal. It's nuts. Like that's different. Well, also with football, it's it's also completely different yeah. because you got to stay at least three years from when you graduated high school. That's like the bare minimum. But in the NBA, I think, I think the NIL deal it'll keep it'll keep away those fringe players that are gonna be let down by where they get drafted. They'll come back to school, but the, the upper echelon, I think, they'll still go.
2: Speaking of the NBA, excited about
1: your Knicks. Yeah, man, the Knicks were the Knicks have been really fun this year, and you actually were at the Garden before you got here.
2: Yeah, I was at Knicks Heat, which old school rivalry game where Knicks need to win to make sure they didn't fall into that play and spot, and yeah. it delivered, man. Manuel quickly just give him the six man right now. What a talent,
1: bro! How yeah. crazy does the Garden get when he goes off? Ooh,
2: everyone gets out of their seat,
1: like, bro. I've been I've been talking about this all the time. Like, there's he's the one guy on the Knicks that. For some reason when he goes crazy the crowd erupts like the the aura of the garden is it's a louder roar when he does something outrageous when he has those like 10 points in four minute stretches and then also there's no there's no team that the fans want to be good more than Knicks.
2: right like new york city just gets taken over by blue and orange when they're good yeah and they're yes.
1: good they're good this year and and they're probably on a collision course to play the Cavs and I was telling you how I feel like both teams are probably happy with that matchup as opposed to playing anyone else in that first round. So both teams probably feel good about that. But when it comes to the Knicks, dude, I think that it sucks that Randall went down with that ankle injury because ankles are always, yeah, you'll be you'll be back in two weeks, but then it looked how much bad live. It much, did look bad. Yeah, yeah, how much of that is gonna linger. But it was cool to get your perspective of it because you're not a Knicks fan. But you got to go to the garden and like the garden is it's a it's an attraction man
2: oh yeah you still get those goosebumps because there's just so many iconic moments there and you know when teams are good it's going to show out there's gonna be a sellout it was a Spank heritage night jay valvin oh. was in the front row and then the other like chris rock was there and it's the first time i've ever seen chris rock be punk cameron did not smile he had such a stern look look, look will smith probably that situation changed
1: him but it was just smile out his of space.
2: yeah i don't know he lost his smile <laughs> But uh, he was there. Uh, there's a couple other celebrities. It just, just felt the rush, and you gotta know, look out for Knicks man. And uh, they got depth, too. That's another thing. Like yeah, I, I love me some Quentin Grimes. I thought he was just a three and D guy. No, Quentin Grimes is a playmaker. He has some moments where you're just like, wow, you can actually depend on him to create his own shot and make the players around him better. So he's another one because we know about Brunson and Randall. But guys like Grimes, we know how good quickly he is. Robinson contribute here and there. I love, you know, we'd love the Josh Hart trade. He's just, he's just born to be in New York. It's, I I don't know how he's not been in New York yet, but he's just perfect club mentionary piece. And you need that to compete in these. So I'm, I'm very fascinated to see what the Knicks do. It's, it's, uh, they're way better than, I know two years ago there was a rush bound, but this roster is significantly better than the one for two years.
1: Yeah, without question. And everyone has matured. Those guys are older. Those guys now have played in front of New York for a long time. And Thibodeau has, a roller coaster for Thibodeau. Yeah. Been very up and down with the Knicks fan base. And he's good until he's not. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's the kind of coach you want for a young team for like a year or two. But then after that, it, it becomes very weird some of the decisions that he makes. But he's he's turned it around too. And having a point guard like Brunson has been he might be, it's like him and Aaron Judge might be the kings of New York, dude. Like as far as like the athletes in New York that have the most pull amongst the fans. Saquon. Mm. No. I don't think so. Not like that. Not anymore. It's not. A, I'll, I'll
2: take your word for it.
1: Yeah, because cause Saquon, now he, he, he got franchised. I'm expecting him to hold out because that's what all running backs do when they get franchise tagged. And
2: as we, as we say this in Vegas, where I've seen at least four Josh Jacobs jerseys here. Yeah. Yeah, by far. Like, I thought I might have seen some Devontae Adams or Max Crosby jerseys. No, everyone loves them. So Josh Jacobs.
1: Yeah. No, he's, Organizations he's show that. it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the nature of that position, man. The running back position. But, uh, dude, it was good to have you in the studio, man.
2: Absolutely, man. Like we talked about a long time coming and see how everything just continuously progressed, but now just seeing on the big time, having the screen here, seeing people walking by as someone is taking a picture of us. Yeah. Uh, It's just, it's big time man. this is where you want to be. You want to have your own studio. You want to see the branding, you know, you want to have your face there and just, the years of sacrifices you hear it's brings like a
1: tear to my eye, man go with a tear in my eye <laughs> hey uh alan and i have recorded a bunch of content if you go to the patreon it'll be up one of the episodes well next week's episode is going to be up on the patreon at the time that you're listening to this one so go and check it out some of the perks i'm doing the best i can ladies and gentlemen and legends to give you guys as much incentive to go to the patreon and give back to you guys access to the Discord on there also and uh we got a nice UFC card coming up this weekend there'll be a UFC preview with uh special guests once again this week so at Veterans Minimum is we can find all things VM at Nick Day is ten is we can find me Alan where can they find you
2: Alan Sturk A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K
1: and we will catch you guys next time on VM.